Do you want a sniff of Auntie Mip? I would have a sniff of Auntie Get that on a t-shirt. on. Oh, right, we're there. Hi, Mip. Hi, Zan. How are you? All the better for seeing you. Aww. I love that phrase, but I do it mean it. It sounds like, um, oh, what's the, the the children's story? All the better to eat you with. That's oh, my what God. It. <laughs> no. The Red Riding Hood. That. All the better to see you. All the better to eat you with. How about you take something that's really charming and turn it into a horror story? Oh, that's But all the better, that's what, as soon as I think, I think, oh, here comes the wolf. It's very, very old Come school. Come to get me. Speaking of old school, did you see that Obama and Springsteen have started a podcast? Oh. <laughs> Hello, it's what bo- the world needs. Hello, Boomer. <laughs> I love it. I love the idea of it. I feel really bad because I have no interest in listening to it because I love Bruce Springsteen. His songs are magnificent. Um, I love his social commentary. I, prob- I don't know if I need to hear him having a chat at, a- at length. Didn't weekly. he just write a book as well? Exactly, with Obama who's – Also wrote a really also- long book. Yeah, and like they've had a lot of time in the spotlight <laughs> – I'm not sure I need a new window into their souls, but maybe I do. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. How do you feel about it? <laughs> uh, I'm curious. I'm curious too. But will I make the time? That's another question. It's called Renegades, born in the USA, and they say it's going to be a series of conversations about their lives, music, and enduring love of America despite all its challenges. Mm. Now, what I love about this is the reason I saw this popping up, but one of the reasons that I really dug into the story of this is because you shared a brilliant Slate article with me. They've done it again. They've not reviewed the podcast, but they've reviewed quite in quite a detailed manner the image that accompanies it. Oh, yeah. And look, cynically, um, somebody somebody wrote on my timeline when I posted horribly cynical writing, which, you know, I agree with. But I'm here for it. Simply because they've written, I don't have any real desire to listen to this podcast. And I looked at that <laughs> and they've written, Obama was the most hurt. Heard guy, heard from guy in the world for at least eight years already, and I'm not sure what more Springsteen can tell me about how much he loves America. I mean, it is cynical, but it's also tongue in cheek. Yeah, and it's funny. It's meant to be for the lols. Yeah, there's the mention of power poses in this photo. Mm. There's also a celebration of the many beverages, which I support. Oh. I love a multi beverage get together because you know that when you do a publicity snap, this is not a candid shot. Mm. Like it looks candid because they're both sort of reclining. Is Bruce wearing a chino or is a, it's a white it's denim? It's a white jean. White denim jean. It's bold. And a desert boot. And like everything about this has been thought through. The studio gear is in the background, all the instruments. So it looks like it's probably the boss's house. I think it is because it was, I, I recognise it from, he recorded his last uh, Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band okay. record in that same space. as his home studio okay. and he did it because of COVID. Yeah. Cool. Got a lot of windows though, which is not ideal for sound quality. No. <laughs> a little bit like we're doing here and <laughs> you've got big windows here in your lounge room and I feel like maybe they heard our podcast <laughs> and then we need to go for that echo effect because, you know, like Bon Iver originally when he did the church <laughs> And everyone lost their no, it was shit. No, the cabin in the woods. Sorry, cabin in the woods. What, whatevs, wooden floor, wooden roof. Um, everyone lost their shit about that sound and for the next 10 years we've been hearing it. I feel like we might have been the precursors This to... is the sounds of authenticity is yeah. what you're hearing. Yeah, uh, last, last week we even did it on an iPhone, which is truly authentic, isn't it? Yeah. Who needs microphones when you can just record it into your phone? Well, we don't because you couldn't get the little recording Morantz thing to work last week. What happened? We, we've we've uh, subsequently I just didn't, found out. I didn't hold the button on for long <laughs> enough. I did take the very large case that it's in into work and mm. Ryan, our bang boy, took a look at it. Um, bang di- man, bang di- man. Di- sorry, bang man. 
diagnosed the problem very quickly. You know what he did though? He wasn't angry, but you know what he did do when he handed it back to me? As you might notice, he's actually, usually I just take out a massive, mm. almost like tangled Christmas light vibe yeah. affair of the cords. That really annoying. Really too long for the months Really annoying cords. Just a massive... Uh, mess of cord and he's separated the cords and taped them for me oh. and then just handed them back it's kind of like the I'm not angry I'm just disappointed <laughs> handing back of when you lend someone something and they give it back to you and they've just just tidied it up a little yeah. bit peel back the curtain this is this is for um people who think that radio people actually know what to do with gear and technology <laughs> it is the producers who know how, what to do with gear and technology everything else we are shit ass at or at least I am you're pretty good at it but really you didn't turn the button on so. <laughs> And I feel vindicated. Back to Obama and Springsteen. There's a few other things that we need to talk about in this image. Mm. The beverages is one thing. Mm. There are an embarrassment of riches of drinks on offer. Mm. Obama is pictured enjoying at least three different beverages. Something in a mug, something in a glass and something in an insulated cup. Mm. There's also what is referred to here as a carafe. But to me it looks like a bottle of Patron. There is definitely some tequila back there, don't you Oh, you're kidding. I thought that was like a tea. You know when you go to posh hotels and they serve you the tea in the glass tea no, um, pot? it's definitely tequila. Is that tequila? It's got to be, right? So you reckon that sort of iced tea business with the ice in it, that's a that's a an alcoholic beverage. Well, you, I haven't heard the podcast yet, but I'm sure that if it's a slippery slidey one <laughs> towards the end of it, we'll see. But the, Bruce has just gone down uh, for drink driving charges. Mm. So surely if that was any kind of alcoholic beverage, they would have edited that out because, you know. We need a follow-up, Slate. I know. Slate, do your business. But um, I, I do think the heavy curtains would mask the echo, but... There's some discussion about the the touching of the footsies as well, and that yep. reminded me. Do you remember my Keanu Reeves story I told you years ago? <laughs> the first thing that I thought of <laughs> when I listened to this. People are saying that they're doing footsies on the table, and I say no, they're not. This is accidental. I've done it once with Keanu Reeves. I did a whole interview, and if you've listened to Bang Fam, you'll know it. It's my only good story. I, I did an entire interview where I thought I was resting my foot on the leg of the coffee table because we were face-to-face in a hotel room and at the end I realised that I had my leg resting on his leg the whole time. And he was such a gentleman, he never said a word. So he's a good one. Anyway, I think that's what's going on here. They don't know. No more singing. Can, oh, yeah. can you Sorry. sing? Can you sing keyboard lines? <laughs> that bit's good. No need to be sad about Daft Punk calling it a day because Miff is going to be doing the Daft Punk show, <laughs> taking it to the Adelaide Fringe this year. <laughs> no, the French duo have called it a day after twenty-eight years. I would go and watch somebody do. <laughs> <laughs> it was very sad, though. I mean, they hadn't released anything since twenty thirteen, nah. but I still found myself quite shocked and. Were surprisingly you really emotional. Were you really shocked? I just, you know, you, they, they, I'm not comparing <laughs> them to Bowie, but I am comparing them to artists that you think, and it's obviously a very different situation because Bowie did sadly mm. die, but there's certain acts where you just don't think of them as human and Daft yeah. Punk well, they're just felt like they not, were they always going to be on. there. They've always got a mask on, so they weren't very human in that sense. I and guess that's probably why I wasn't shocked they broke up. They also had massive gaps between records. I know, I you love know? that. So I wasn't, you know, necessarily surprised that there'd been an eight-year gap from their last album, mm. but there's not going to be another album. They've called it a day. Mm. 
And when I was thinking back and listening the other morning when I, I woke up to the news like everybody else did in Australia that it was coming through, I just started playing the music and just realising yeah. how much they'd soundtracked my adult life. You know, I was 19 when Homework first came mm. out. Discovery was my university record. I still remember, you know how you remember where you were when you heard certain songs for the first time? Mm. I still remember being at the lounge in Swanson Street, <laughs> oh, which was lounge. a total 90s, noughties hangout. You'd get some chips with um, sour cream and sweet chilli sauce beforehand. I'm sorry, they were wedges, Miff. You sorry, know they were wedges. <laughs> And Discovery was the record and one more time I remember hearing that in the full version at the lounge for the first time. And then Random Access Memories came out when I was working at at Triple J Mm. and I was part of the whole hype around that and people going to Wee War and the big sort of weird launch out there. That's right, they launched it in Wee War. Yeah. Funny. Just if anybody forgot about that, they decided (laughs) to do a worldwide launch where they played out the record. (laughs) 4,000 people turned up. People flew in from overseas thinking maybe they'll show up because it's Daft Punk. And they didn't, but there was a hell of a party in Wee War and that was the first time anybody heard the record, which is wild. That is absolutely wild. They always did things differently, didn't they? Yeah, they were great. And um, I do remember when you you saw them play in 2007. That's right. And I remember all the promos at the time going, first time in Australia. And I'm like... Hang on a minute, that's not true. I'm sure I've probably said this before on, on Bang On. And I remember, I just, I remember because the moment I saw Daft Punk back in 1998, it was at a gig down at the Docklands, it was the first time, because dance music, think about it, like it really hadn't been a, a, a mainstream thing up mm. until that point. And that was a very guitar heavy era still, the late yeah, 90s. Yeah, absolutely. And there was this festival in Melbourne at the Docklands, which was just a barren wasteland of sheds. Amazing for dance parties. Yeah. Um, where it was called Apollo Festival where they incorporated all the versions of dance music. Um, so there was, you know, Handbag handbag House, which I loved. <laughs> um, I remember seeing a diva there. This is a warning. Keep your love away from me. God, I forgot that about so that. So good. And, but she was, she was at the same show as Daft Punk. So like it was really – and then there was House and Techno. It was all new at the time or relatively anyway, at least in Australia. And it was amazing. And I remember it was Daft Punk because I remember standing there dancing next to Karen Lang who I idolised at the time. I was just, you know, absolutely nobody and because it was 1998 and I remember standing next to Karen Lang because she'd been a radio DJ for heaps of – a lot of years and she now works on Double J. Yeah. And I was standing next to her and I was so excited. <laughs> and it was Daft Punk. And I was like, I didn't make this up. This is real. And I went into a hole and I, I found some confirmation that that was in fact true. I just thought maybe it was the 90s and I'd forgotten. but <laughs> uh, Or I'd made it up, which wouldn't surprise me either. But it – it, it really was and they really were um, quite instrumental in, in bringing that whole sort of dance stuff to the public in, yeah. in a wider way and it was an extraordinary moment musically if I remember correctly. Yeah, and through the noughties just bringing that electronic sound and really the legacy, like they, they obviously were influenced by so many greats. They wore that on their sleeve but they created something new and brought it into the mainstream and brought back Nile Rodgers from Chic mm. and brought back Giorgio Moroder. Mm. Um, there from was the, respect There was the respect past. and an honour of it as well, wasn't there? And it just – they really um, – they gave a mainstream access to a whole world of dance music that stretched back mm. to the 70s. One of the other things that, you know, I think that is worth celebrating with Daft Punk and obviously the helmets and the robot thing is a vibe but – 
just their whole visual output was always incredible. Do you remember when right after they put out Discovery, there was that animation Interstellar 5555? Have you ever seen that? It came Remind out in 2003. Me. I probably should know it. I've got it on DVD. I don't have a DVD do player. Do But I do on have your do DVD. Do play. <laughs> And it's basically they worked with one of their um, anyone got a DVD? I mean, <laughs> computers don't uh, computers don't even have DVD players anymore. I literally need to buy a PlayStation so I can watch DVDs. That's mm. my whole thing. But this was a story um, that was set no dialogue, just all set to Discovery. They teamed up with one of their heroes in Japanese animation in anime. Oh yeah, um, and it told the story of the abduction and rescue of an interstellar pop band. And it's ah. kind of like science fiction music video, but it's also this amazing allegory for how messed up the music industry is and oh, how wow. gatekeepers just fleece musicians. It was so good. On if the you money, ever on the money before everybody it, else. If you've ever seen the videos for any of Discovery yeah. and it's that yeah. anime, they all come from Interstellar right. 555. Okay. Okay. I don't think I ever saw it because obviously so good. no one at the time had a DVD and we weren't friends. <laughs> We weren't friends and we couldn't. I couldn't borrow it off you. R.I.P. Did Daft I know Punk. you then? I don't think so. Two thousand and three. Yeah, I think it was two thousand and four, <laughs> two thousand and five. Yeah, so it would have been earlier than that. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I'll lend you the DVD. Can I? What are you going to watch it on? Fuck knows. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just look at it. Hey, you sent me a great article this week, which mm. I'm totally on the fence by. I don't know if you can convince me either way, but I a Guardian know. piece. On TV, will TV confront COVID or ignore it? Mm. Will it? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is here. Do having lived through COVID, which we continue to do, do we want to see TV reflecting us, or so, do we want to see TV continuing the fantasy that it doesn't exist? Yeah, and we're talking about obviously drama and mm. co- and comedy shows. We're not talking about news and current affairs. Obviously. No, we no. I mean they can't avoid it. COVID mm. is mentioned quite regularly yeah. in that, but the the article kind of talks about this being the kind of crux of the problem that, you know, TV is supposed to reflect reality back to us, but it's also an escape from that reality. Mm. But can you continue to make comedy and dramas set in the present day? When the world has changed so dramatically. And just ignore that. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that you can. Although, do I want to watch Sex in the City where they're all socially distancing? Who's having sex? But Sarah Jessica Parker has said it is going to be included. They're going to be filming Sex in the City, I think, sometime mid to late 2021, okay. the new return season, which, you know, scroll back into your feeds. We have mixed feelings about a Sex in the City sans Samantha. Not without my Samantha. It's not going to have Samantha. It is going to have COVID, though. Yeah. Um, and she's, I mean, it's a fair point. She says it's affected the lives of New Yorkers, and it has. This is one of the most densely populated cities. It was hit very hard very mm. early in the pandemic and continues to suffer greatly as a part of um, a country that has suffered. Suffered, uh, more than most other countries in the mm. world. So the fact that you it doesn't feel right that you'd be able to just watch Sex in the City and not have it exist, but That's to true. what degree will it be a part of the story? That's true, but do you remember uh, 9-11? They were filming throughout that too. And they didn't acknowledge? I, as far as I can recall, look, I could be wrong and feel free to correct me on this, but they, they put an in memoriam on um, a couple of the new episodes or maybe one of the new episodes, but... I do think that that was avoided in the plot lines and storylines. If they were in the middle of filming, though, this is a different scenario. And again, we need to go back into mm. the context of this. But if they're in the middle of filming a season, which they would have storyboarded months, if not mm. a year or so before, and then they would have to throw out that whole season if they started talking about this massive terrorist attack, whereas they're going into a season that they're now storyboarding 
Mm. I don't know. I like I said, I'm on the fence. Grey's Anatomy is going to include COVID storylines. Is that still going? Yes. (laughs) What? I don't know. Did it go away and come back? I've never been a watcher. I know Nina Las Vegas is a mad fan of Grey's Anatomy, so maybe she can catch up. I had no idea it was still going. I thought it finished about 10 years ago when that guy died. Dreamy. (laughs) I think it's McDreamy. McDreamy. That's the, I don't know the show, but I do know McDreamy. It's like a McDonald's burger. I think no. it's good that they would include COVID storylines because it's obviously about a hospital. Succession won't, and I'm so pumped for the third season of Succession. Mm-hmm. And Sarah Snook, who's the great Australian uh, actor who plays Shiv, has said that it doesn't change what the Roys do, yeah. which is so true. It's so true. I think well, as rich, we've witnessed, the Kardashians yeah. are not affected by COVID. Rich people and don't all get the Roys COVID. Be. None of them get COVID because they're too rich. And interestingly, Curb Your Enthusiasm is going to be set in a post-COVID world. And this is where I wonder about where we think COVID is going to be. The fact is that we're living in a once-in-a-generation, once-in-a-hundred-year pandemic. The last time this existed, television was a twinkle in our eye. It didn't it was nowhere near existing, and the way that we told stories was very different as well. And I think that, and I don't want to be a downer, I just want to be a realist here, I think that we're assuming that COVID will just go away um, in the next year. Mm. And in this case, these showrunners are saying, you know, TV is supposed to be an escape. Is it once these shows start coming out in a year, year and a half, two years, will it jar with the reality that we're living in? But what if it doesn't go away fully? What if we're living in a world where the vaccines are rolled out fast in some countries, but slower in others, travel is still affected and COVID becomes like a seasonal flu that you have to keep on getting vaccinations for which it will and there's still mutations like I think that we're still in this weird kind of dream state of get sick get have a pandemic get a vaccine find a vaccine serve it out fixed that's not going to happen no it's probably not going to happen but I've got a solution I think people don't want to hear any more seriousness about COVID in television I feel that in general I think that the serious it's covered by the news it's 24 7 it's in our heads so dramas I think they'll probably stay away from COVID, but comedies like your Larry David's mm. won't. I think people will be happy to to see a, a more comedic take on it to to lighten the mood if that's the case. Yep. But in dramas, I think that that might actually just be too heavy. This will be the work will be cut out for the writers of these shows. I think, yeah. and I'm keen to see it. I think mm. it's going to be a fine balancing act to be able to create in this world and a world that in six to twelve months could look very different again. Yeah. Watch this space. What if we're still in lockdown? No, no that's fine. Everything's fixed soon. Remember, okay, that's right. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> update. We've talked about it the last couple of episodes following the reactions that are still rolling um, after the airing of the New York Times framing Britney Spears documentary. Good news, it is finally getting an airing in Australia. If you're listening to Bang On the day that we release it or a couple of days later, then I can tell you that you will be able to watch Framing Britney Spears this Tuesday night, March the 2nd at 9pm on Channel 9. Mm. And we're keen to hear what you think of it. After maths. Oh no! Oh, wow. Yeah, you know what I've been doing. Anyway. Maths next week. <laughs> no, there'll be no, it's a maths-free zone um, <laughs> here on Bang On. But, look, if you want to slide into my DMs and talk about it, I'm open. <laughs> I am open. 
But there are a couple of things that we wanted to um, let you know about this week. Mara Wilson, who was a child actor, you would know her mostly from Mrs. Doubtfire. She was the youngest child in that. She's been in a few other things. Doesn't work as an actor anymore, works as a voice actor. Um, But she came out and talked about the way that she was sexualised as a very young child. Yeah, and I think this is useful in the context of the the documentary frames Britney Spears as being in control of her image and and in actual fact Mara is suggesting that perhaps this was not the case. Young girls are not necessarily in control of their image. They're controlled by other people. Yeah, and she says a few key things in this response. One of the things that stuck out to me was talking about how Hollywood has resolved to tackle harassment in the industry but I was never sexually harassed on a film set. My sexual harassment always came at the hands of the media and the public. Mm. There's another really excellent long read which oh. is too big to get into and honestly we'd be paraphrasing um, the brilliant work of Tavi Jevonson who is the founder of Rookie Magazine. She was the editor-in-chief as a teenager, yeah. ran the show and she begins with a reflection on framing Britney Spears And then it goes into a whole exploration about her power, what she perceived as her power and perhaps how she looks back at that time in her life and relationships Mm. um, and experiences that she had. It's a heavy read. Yeah, and if anyone's experienced um, sexual assault or anything like that, just be careful with this one because it's... It, it's really heavy. Yeah. It's really heavy. And I, I I think it I had to take a lot of time when I was reading it Same. to get my head around the the ideas and, and it makes it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of nuance and I think this is the thing that when we react to these shows and we're in the same boat. We're, we're learning. We're giving these kind of hot takes each week and, and searching through it at the same time but – there's nuance that exists in the moment and that unfolds in the weeks and months and years that follow. And mm. Tarvi's piece is all about understanding things, learning things about herself and the world that she yeah. was in and the world that surrounded her um, as she goes along. It's a brilliant piece. We'll put that in the show yeah. notes as well. A really quick clarification to Miff. Last week we were talking about the story of Brittany Higgins, the alleged rape, which is a story that continues Um, in the week that has followed um, and there have been a lot of follow-up stories and more allegations. I said that it was Lisa Wilkinson that broke this story. Uh, She did the first television story for the project but it was actually Samantha Maiden who broke the story for news.com.au and Sam has been doing amazing work as well um, in the follow-up, more and more stories coming out around this whole scenario. So um, follow her on Twitter Check out her story. She's doing incredible work. Hey, before we get into Bang On. Mm. Oh, I... Aren't we in Bang On? <laughs> what have we been doing? You know, I, call, I talk <laughs> about the podcast as capital B, capital O. Yeah. And then what are you banging on about? I it's, make them smaller. Uh, in your mind. And also when I write it down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a dork, aren't I? You're a gorgeous dork. A couple of uh, great reviews that I just wanted to shout out. Oh, and these are cute. Seriously, the... The beautiful reviews that you've been leaving on um, your podcast apps. We read all of them. Thank you so much. It's, it helps us so much in reaching more people um, and also to people who are posting on Instagram and tagging us. Uh, we love that too. We really love um, bringing more people into the the Bang fam and the Bang community because it's just the best ever. Uh, but I wanted to thank particularly um, Kate who left this great review titled Weekly Happiness and she writes... Thank you for keeping me going, not only in 2020, but the start of 2021 seemed to bring all that 2020 caused to a head. 
I think you just keep doing in the pandemic and then later you can actually digest and reflect. So I wasn't really feeling myself this year and I listened to your podcast on my way to work and it just puts me in a better place. I cycle, so I love the crazy image of a chick in high-vis cycling along, laughing out loud to herself. (laughs) (laughs) I love that too. Thank you, Kate. And another cute one from Courtney uh, titled mini bang fan saying uh, bang on keeps me sane and up to date with the rest of the world while I've mostly been at home with my two young kids it feels like a chat with my own friends I look forward to it each week with my three-year-old who loves singing the bang on jingle at random intervals i.e supermarket checkout or bath time thanks for the love (laughs) and I'd just like to say bang um, bang on keeps me sane too when I'm stuck at home with (laughs) a dog and two cats It's the grounding force we need. It's true. It's um, true. Without this, I don't know where I'd be. Um, now, what are you uh, lowercase banging on about? Oh, this okay. Week? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, uh, uppercase. It's called Industry. <laughs> it's, a, it's an HBO show. Do I say H right? I never know H. I said H. Is it H? Oh, this is, is a big question. H? I never know H. I think I was when I was little. I said H, and now I say H. So you're not supposed to say H. H. You're supposed to say H. H. Uh, no. H. H-H. H-H. Anyway, HBO. Mm. I always get paranoid. It's like saying Moet instead of Moe, which I've always said, but then I found out it was Moet. Mm. But when you say Moet, I'm sure I've said this on Bang Fan too, on Bang On too, you sound like a bogan. What's that noise? Is he going to the toilet? Yeah. <laughs> Doing a poo. Sounds so clear. Doing a poo while we're talking. <laughs> Go, mate. Get it out. <laughs> Um, I've changed his that's diet. Norman. He's very regular. That's, that's Norman, not not um, not your partner. Sam. You won't see Norman's <laughs> litter tray in Bruce and Obama's podcast, will you? You won't hear it. That's for sure. Authentic. Bang on's authentic. Yeah. <laughs> Go, mate. Um, anyway, industry. Um, okay, if you are missing, as we talked about before, succession then this could be a little bit of a stopgap. I'm not saying it's anywhere near as good or as intriguing, but it's it's in that money world where things are ridiculous, you know, like it's a whole bunch of graduates fighting for a position in a bank in the UK. And the best thing about this show is that casting in the UK is so much better than anywhere else in that. And the same, same as in France, like I was talking about last week, like they're not your conventional, you know, beautiful people. It's, mm. it's a real cast of interesting faces and I love it. And, and they're, they're all beautiful in their own way, but it's not conventional. And these graduates, are. Uh, it, it also reflects what we were talking about last week, that who are you without your work? And and these graduates are obviously trying to get up on the rung within this bank and work, 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 work. And, of course, it's bleak and, of course, it's messed up. Of course, they behave terribly. Of course, it's just, uh, you know, there's some horrific things that happen in this show. Um, some great young actors. I didn't know this until after I'd watched the series. The first episode was directed by Lena Dunham. Oh wow! Yeah, so um, oh, she's been in the UK. Maybe yeah, that's this why. Is, this is it. Right. So um, it's my kind of show. It's a little bit like it's a lot like it's a bit of Succession with a bit of This Life thrown in. Ah, oh, yes. I've mentioned This Life before, which yeah. is another UK drama. Um, yeah, it's excellent. So nice little stopgap between the next series of Succession. They're much younger and they're not a family, but they're kind of a weird, fucked up family. So is it a great. dramedy? Is it a drama? No a comedy. comedy. No comedy. No comedy. No comedy. An hour long then. Uh, yes, I think so. Do you like how I, I know, know that anymore. if it's a comedy, it's half an hour, and if it's a drama, it's oh, really? an hour? I don't that even seems know what to time the unwritten is. Rule. I don't know what time is anymore. <laughs> I don't what even notice. 
<laughs> what are you banging on about? I'm banging on about a book this week, um, which is something that I've been meaning to read for years and I finally picked up recently. It is called Barbarian Days by William Finnegan. Now, William is a staff writer at The New Yorker. I don't really know much of his other work, I've got to say, but I actually saw him years ago at the Byron Bay Writers Festival. I was up there and I wandered past a tent and there was yeah. this really compelling American guy telling stories and I was just hooked. So he won the Pulitzer Prize for autobiography in 2016 for this book, oh, Barbarian wow. Days. And it is a book about like he's a surfer mm-hmm. um, and he's been a surfer since he was a little kid. He grew up in Hawaii. His dad used to work on film sets for like all the old oh, heaven. 60s film shows. Yeah, all the um, Elvis sorry, movies. Sorry, surfing shows. All and the Elvis movies. All the Elvis movies, Hawaii Five O, all that. <laughs> like he worked as a production designer, which is incredible. <laughs> so um, his family grows up in Hawaii. He loves surfing and the book is about surfing sort of searching for the perfect wave all over the world and mastering the art of riding these waves. But it takes you to all kinds of places and people and experiences and it's his coming of age. Also a really great study of male relationships, particularly in the 70, 60s and 70s, which male relationships, as far as I've observed, are, are still something that's um, it can be a minefield, but I think they've changed a lot mm. in 2020 compared to what they were in the you know, olden days in the 60s and 70s. Um, And it reflects, you know, the social change happening at the time, the Vietnam War, all that sort of stuff, LSD, cultural differences as he goes from Hawaii to California to the South Pacific to surface paradise. He spends time in Australia. His observations of Australia are really interesting. Um, Asia, even Africa. And even the places that you know or you may have travelled to before – the way that he observes them and lives within them, really just bumming around Mm. on the smell of an oily rag is something that's really new. And the way that he writes, again, like I don't know about surfing, I don't know about the technicalities about surfing, but it's just beautiful like even thinking about it now I just get shivers what it's like you read this book then just because of the Pulitzer Prize yeah and my partner read it as well yeah. and I saw him speak and I was like this guy is an amazing storyteller and That's you know bad. it's I think it's testament it's also something that a lot of New Yorker writers have where they can make you care about something that you would never care about mm. otherwise he's got a very open way of telling a story and that the power of the ocean you know the respect and the fear and the magic of it and the dedication to finding that wave at whatever cost um, is extraordinary. And frankly, I'm reading it and it's just he's writing about places that I wish I could be right now. So it's just beautiful. I know that many people have raved about it. You know, it's a bestseller, but um, one of those ones that I've been meaning to read for, for ages. Yep. And I think that as we're in this period of having to stay a lot closer to home, having that kind of escapism and this world that I don't really know, um, but I can get I can get a foot in through his, mm. the way that he tells this story is just beautiful. It's Barbarian a, days, it's fantastic. It's a little holiday in your head. I just I'm not a surfer and I'm really pale, but I freaking love the beach. You know, <laughs> yeah. I just love I love being in volcanic places and beautiful islands, and um, it's yeah I miss being able to be in those places. Yeah. I love surfers paradise as well. I love surfers as love well. Surfers. Take me there. Take me there. <laughs> oh, we could go. We can go now. Until they lock us out next time. Yep. <laughs> we'll always have bang on. Yes. Capital B, capital O. Yes. yes. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs> bang. 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 Bang on. Oh, sorry. I keep on going to burp and it's not quite popping. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> I do it every week. 
pop out a burp. <laughs> Bang on.